Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Well, here we are, uh, New Year's Eve, <laughs> 2023, the last day of the calendar year, and really just feels like it just started, didn't it? Uh, not too long ago, seemed like we were celebrating 2023 beginning, and now here we are in the very last day, and a week after that, we were in the same place celebrating Christmas Eve and worship and, and, and enjoying the, the week that followed with family and with friends and being around the tree and, and, and having family meals. All the, the trappings that went with this past week and here in this moment, we're looking at the turning of a page. 2023 is about to become 2024 here in just a few short hours and We'll disperse from this place and go out and celebrate that. And I hope that you have a, a good, fun, safe celebration, uh, whether you're going out with friends and, and, and visiting with others or whether you stay at home uh, and, and just have a quiet evening. Or if you do like we do with, with small children, about 7 p.m. or so, we turn on the Netflix New Year's countdown and, and you know, commit one of those necessary lies of parenting and let our kids know that, yeah, it's New Year already. Okay, so now go to bed. Um, <laughs> They'll be fine, though. Uh, but, but the thing is, is that with this year, you know, this occasion, it, it causes us to think of what might be, as well as kind of what was. We have a year behind us that's closing out. Uh, we can be thankful for all that we experienced God do in 2023. And if we're honest with ourselves, we look back at that year and some parts of it were great. Some parts of it were really good, worth celebrating. And some parts were, you know, had a few bumps in the road. This year had some pain with it, it had some grief with it, it had all of this stuff mixed up together. And while we can be thankful, it's easy to be thankful for the, you know, the big moments, the, the good things. The thing is our faith also gives us some perspective to understand that, that God was with us through it all, through thick and through thin, through high and through low, from the beginning to the end. And whether 2023 was great or a mixed bag, or just awful. I think all of us look at the new year ahead of us and think, well, surely the next one's going to be better because that's how we build our hope this time of year. And if you're like me, then you'd fall into that little age old trap of making the new year's resolution. Anybody, <laughs> you know, we, we, we've been talking about that at my house this past week and have uh, made so many of those. And if you're like me, then January one, you're so committed and you're doing really well. You're knocking it out of the park by about the afternoon. But then by, you know, you, a few weeks pass. The end of the month comes if you're really good at it, at keeping it. Maybe the beginning of February comes and it, it just kind of starts to fall away. And that's because life just kind of gets back in the course of going. School gets back in, the rhythm of work picks back up. We get busy and, and, it's, and it's hard to remember that we made those commitments and it's hard to keep that at, at the front of our lives. And the new way of doing that is the, the word of the year. Um, I haven't, I'm doing this for the first time this year. My wife's been doing it for the past few years. Uh, apparently Facebook has been telling her a word of the year to have uh, every year the last few years. And this has been the, the same this year. Um, and her word of the year is faith or, or trust. And, and I'm thinking kind of what do I need to focus on? And, and I'm like, well, maybe health is a good word. You know, I'm getting a little older and maybe it's a good time to start putting the French fries down every now and then and grabbing a salad or start making that workout routine that's not very regular, or maybe a little bit more regular. Um, well, hopefully having grace on myself along the way. Um, but the thing is, is that when we make these commitments, 
We all fall into that trap of eventually. It gets really difficult to keep them. And if, we're left, uh, if it's left up to our own willpower, you know, then the thing is I fail utterly and miserably time and time again at these New Year's resolution things. But there's good news for us. The good news is that as people of faith, people who follow Christ our Lord and Savior, God gives us the grace and the strength for every step of the way forward and doesn't ask us to lean on our own strength, but instead lean on his. And that's what I want us to kind of think about, that be in that space this morning as we move the calendar over a page into a new year. We're going to be in uh, the book of Proverbs this morning, Proverbs chapter 20 here in just a minute. And just to kind of give a little bit of overview of Proverbs, you might be familiar with it, you might not. Um, King Solomon is, was the one who wrote most of it. And his story goes, you know, his father is King David, the first great king of Israel. And then he's got all of this pressure on his shoulders, right? He's David's son. He's the next king. And God gives Solomon a choice early in his life. He says, Solomon, I'll give you what you ask for. You can have riches, wealth, unimaginable, or you can have wisdom, and the story goes that Solomon chose wisdom and that God added all of those other things to him as well. But from that moment forward, so much of his life was marked by following God and making wise decision after wise decision. And, and what that resulted in was many of these proverbs that he wrote down and which get passed on to us in scripture today. And so that, that, that God-given gift of wisdom gets passed on to us and we get to benefit from it. Because so much of Proverbs is, is a very practical wisdom about how to live life well with God and with the people around us. So much of Proverbs says things like, you know, don't go to this place, go to this place instead. Or don't do this thing, do this thing instead. Or be this way instead of this way. Value this instead of valuing this. And it just, we have all these little wayfinders along the way. And it's one of those verses that I want to look at this morning as we're in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24. And there in verse 24, it says, all our steps are ordered by the Lord. How then can we understand our own way? It's a tough question that it poses to us. And one way to interpret that, one way to read that is to kind of see that question as rhetorical and like, you know, we don't really have to answer it. In other words, some people have read that verse and others like it in Proverbs. I said, well, if God has kind of ordered everything, set everything into motion and determined how everything is going to be and, and who we're going to be and what we're going to, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, all of that, then, then I don't really have any part to play in it, right? It's all set in motion. But the thing is, is that's not the best way to read that verse. Because if we put that in context with the rest of Proverbs, what we see is, is that over and over again, God is calling us to, to trust in his guidance, to trust in his wisdom, and to make choices that lead to outcome, better outcomes along the way. In other words, God invites us to have a role in determining the direction of our lives. And so this verse isn't saying, hey, God orders the steps uh, you know, of us and uh, God orders our steps and so what, how, what do we have anything to do with it? That's not what it's saying. In other words, it's saying God orders the steps 
of a strong or righteous, mighty person. That's the word that's used there in Hebrew. The, the word is geber. And that word means strong person. Um, there, there are several ways this word gets used in Hebrew. Um, Solomon actually has a royal official in his court named Geber. And the role of this man was to uh, oversee a tract of land that was responsible for growing food for the palace for Solomon and his family and his court for one month out of every year. So this man was in charge of one-twelfth of the food production for the palace. And not only that, but this particular tract of land that he was over um, was prone to invasion by foreign kings. So he was having to fight off all of these invading enemies while also making sure that he grew enough food and produced enough food for the table of the king. No pressure, huh? And then when that word gets used in a feminine form, it often refers in scripture to uh, a queen or, or a, a high-ranking royal official in, in the palace. And, and the, when that word becomes an adjective, it literally means strong or mighty in Hebrew. So if you call someone or something strong or, or mighty, you're using this word. And then it, it pops up over in Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 9 when it refers to Gabriel, the archangel, the mighty man of God is what that means. His name means that, arch, that archangel of the heavenly host, that powerful angel that comes down to help and assist Daniel in his way forward and understanding what is, what is placed before him. So the thing is, is that this verse, the beginning of it really says something in Hebrew like, the Lord orders the steps of the strong or mighty person. And that helps us kind of understand how that works because when we ask, well, what does strong or mighty mean? Well, if we look to the world around us for that definition, it's pretty clear, it's pretty easy. You know, things come to mind like bigger, better, faster, stronger. It's not really that hard to understand. We get it. But when we filter it through scripture, we find that strong and mighty take on new meanings because we find that what the world calls strong, God would call weak. And what the world calls weak, God would call strong. And so it kind of upends itself a little bit. And the way of Jesus teaches us that true strength and true power is found in humility. We find that Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, the call that he puts on each and every single one of us is to take up our cross daily and follow him, which involves denying ourselves. And so that's what true strength looks like. With that in mind, I want us to kind of start to think about a couple of things that this, voice, that, that, that this verse um, helps us think about. And the first one is this. If we're going to enter into this new year with this verse in mind and asking God, what's this new year going to be like? Um, well, then we need to realize first that we have limitations. Realize our own limitations. Friends, you and I, none of us in this room are the answer in and of ourselves to our problems. I have limits, you have limits, we all have limits. That's the way it is. But the thing is, is that faith requires humility. It, it requires us to own that, it requires us to admit that, but it doesn't just leave us there. It's the beginning of a journey. But you see, one of those areas that I have trouble with, understanding my own limitations, is when it comes to uh, kind of wanting to control the timing of things. Under, when, when, I, uh, when I try to make things happen more quickly than they should. Because I like fast. 
I like slow. When I'm expecting something, I just kind of want it to happen or be there or be finished rather than spend time waiting on it. And with that in mind, I want to introduce you to the newest member of our family that we uh, acquired uh, this past month. Well, these things are just great, right? The air fryer, what a wonderful invention. And I don't even say that lightly, I really mean that. I've been in my kitchen for the past month cooking about everything I can find in this thing because finally, it's fast, it's good. Because see, back when the Instant Pot came out, we, we kind of jumped on the train, you know, remember a couple years ago, everybody was getting Instant Pot. And what we found out is we weren't really Crock-Pot people to begin with. And so it didn't really like work in our rhythm. And so it stays in the cabinet most of the time. But this thing, it's out on the cabinet nonstop. It, it's like humming and whirring without end. I don't know if you've tried like leftover pizza in it. You put like two or three day old pizza in this thing. I might be telling myself a little bit too much. And it comes out like brand new pizza. <laughs> it's completely changed leftover eating. All the stuff the kids eat, you know, the frozen fish fillets and the tater tots and that kind of stuff. It comes out nice and crispy in this thing. I just love it. Matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, fajitas for dinner and uh, we had some leftovers. So the next night I was like, well, I'm going to eat these leftover fajitas. So in one side, in one of the baskets, I put the, you know, the steak and the peppers and the onions and got that going. And on the other side, I thought, well, I normally heat my tortillas up in like a pan on the oven, but I'll just put them in this. And so I put three tortillas in there and shut the drawer and hit the button and turn around to do something else in the kitchen. And then I, I started to smell something. I turned around and there's this big cloud of white smoke just billowing out of the top of, of our air fryer. And so I did what anybody would do. I opened it up and, and looked to see what was going on. And the two tortillas that were in the little drawer uh, were perfectly fine, but I didn't know where the third one was. It, apparently there's like an air current <laughs> in there and the heat source is above it. And so it just like vacuumed the tortilla up against the heating element in there and was just charring it to no end and creating a big cloud of smoke in the kitchen. Um, and so in my infinite wisdom, I grabbed a fork and dug it out of there when I'm pretty sure the instructions say not to do that. Um, but the thing is, is that in my haste, I was just wanting it done quickly. I overlooked something and the outcome was a little messy. <laughs> I really could have handled that better. But that's how it is, is we want things to happen quickly instead of waiting for a long time for things to develop. Now, even if you're not a Cowboys fan, even just living in this area, one of the biggest headlines has been this past week, Jimmy Johnson, the, the famed coach of the Cowboys in the early 90s, is finally in the ring of honor. He got his gold jacket for the NFL Hall of Fame, but finally, after all of the, the turmoil and the, and the politics and the, the infighting of the past few decades, which we all know those stories, we won't get into that this morning, finally, Coach Jimmy is in the ring of honor. A wonderful, beautiful ceremony last night, just a touching story with a fitting in for so many in our area who've been expecting this. I remember being 10 years old, back when the Cowboys were really good in the early 90s, you know, out on the playground at Eastside Elementary in Cabot, Arkansas, arguing my friends Cliff and Andrew about how the Cowboys were gonna beat the Bills that year. And I, I'm, I'm old enough to have been to not just one, but three Cowboys Super Bowl parties. And I don't know when the next one is, I hope it's soon. 
But th this means so much to so many people who, who stuck with the team and who have been hoping and waiting. And the thing is, is, it feels like it took way longer than it should have taken. And yet finally the celebration is here. And a lot of things in life are like that. They take time to develop. They don't happen as quickly as we want them to. And we get frustrated in the meantime. But the truth is, is that when that celebration comes, it's very sweet. But we get so much more than just a victory when we have to wait. What we get when we're patient is perspective. We can look back and we can see that even though what we wanted to happen has not happened yet, and we had to wait, that, that God was still at work in the in-between. And it helps us see that God is not just the God of the big moments, the big victories, the big celebrations in life, but that God is God even in between those things, always present, always at work in us, always inviting us deeper into relationship. And so just because there's not a big party on the outside, that doesn't mean that there's not a great celebration on the inside, something worth celebrating in here. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. And when we realize our own limitations, that leads us into the next step of realizing that while we are limited, he's not. You see, God is limitless. Just a week ago, again, we were in here celebrating the miracle of the birth of Christ, the Messiah at Christmas. And what did that teach us? It taught us that God, in all of his might and majesty, chose to come down and put on human flesh and become one of us and understand what this feels like, what it feels like to wait, what it feels like to suffer, what it feels like to grieve, what it feels like to celebrate. All of those things, that miracle, which wasn't just for long ago in one place on the earth, but for all of time for every place, for everyone. And the miracle of Christmas, while there's the big moment, the real miracle of Christmas is that what it started is that from that moment on, we have that invitation to know our God more fully in Jesus Christ, his son. It changed, see, the thing is it changes every single day. And what we begin to see is the miraculous, in the mundane everydayness of life. We get to see that miracles aren't just big, powerful things, but they happen in little moments too. We experienced a, a little miracle like that in, in my household uh, this past week. Thursday night, um, Amber and I got a babysitter and went on a date. That's the miracle <laughs> for all the parents in the room. Finally, you know, the kids were taken care of. We got the opportunity to go out and eat dinner at a real restaurant that didn't serve chicken fingers. We got to order things like sauteed mushrooms and, and grilled asparagus and overpriced little pieces of toast with chopped tomatoes and balsamic vinegar on them. They were delicious. But we got the gift of just sitting there for a couple of hours, looking at each other across the table, talking about things that had nothing at all to do with our children. We love them, by the way. I don't want to send the wrong message. But it was just such a gift. 
enjoyed our evening. And then when the date the day was over, we didn't have any plans. We just had the open evening in front of us. And so we did what people who have been married for 20 years do after, you know, you go out and you have a, a, a nice kind of night on the town. Is we stopped at Walmart on the way home and bought pull-ups. <laughs> because our two-year-old's potty training and Jim is out of pull-ups and that's not a good situation for us. Uh, and so I said, you know what, no problem. Like, why don't we go tonight? Just get it out of the way that way. We don't have to get out of the house tomorrow. It'll be nice and quiet. Um, there's a Walmart just down the road. I know where it is. So we go and we, we get in and we enter the front door of the store. And I look to the right, you know, just to kind of check out, you know, the impulse buy area on the way in. Um, and I'm greeted with this long wall from top to bottom, from end to end, packed with pink frosted cookies and cupcakes with red and white sprinkles all over them. And I immediately got the message, Christmas is over. <laughs> that was a few days ago. Now we're on to Valentine's Day. And the thing is, is the world around us will try to tell us that Christmas is over. We've moved on. It's a, that, that's already ancient history. But see, the thing is, is that's not how Christmas works. Because again, Christmas introduces us to that idea of the ongoing work of God and the miraculous little small moments in life. And friends, that can't end. We can't let that stop. We can't let the world around us tell us that that's over. In fact, what we have to do is tell the world around us that no, it's only just begun. Christmas is never over. Instead, we're called to, to continue living in that hope and that joy and the power of that moment with every step forward we make, especially into a new year as we're dreaming about what might be. Now, one more thing about that verse that we read is that when it says the Lord orders the steps of a, you know, a strong or mighty person, like I said, is that word for ordered the steps. It's a word in Hebrew that's used for um, marching or rhythmic stepping in time together, in other words. Like when, a, when the army would go out, they, this word would be used to describe them marching in time, in tune, in step together. And that's what the verse says, is that that's how God orders our steps. And the, and, and the meaning of that is this, is that God provides an order, God provides a rhythm, God provides a timing, and then invites us to walk in that. So how do we kind of keep that miracle of Christmas going, that living in little miracle from day to day to day? We ask God, say, God, here I am. Help me step in time with you. Help me get into rhythm with what you're doing. Help me put my timing aside. Help me put my, the rhythm I'm trying to set to the side. And help me join into yours. You know what's good news in there? It's that God gives us the grace to do just that. Because see, the thing is, is that starting a new year, it's not just about having resolve and it's not just about having enough willpower to make things happen. It's not about deciding what I'm gonna do this year and making sure it happens. And it's not really about deciding where I'm gonna go and making sure that happens. Instead, it's about deciding who we're going to follow. 
And when we get into that rhythmic step with God and following him, then we begin to see things happen. Then we begin to see things, opportunities arise. Then we begin to filter the reality around us through that one lens of God and his limitless power as providing a way forward for his people, including you, including me. So as we dream about what might be in 2024, I hope that we're the kind of people that say, Lord, as much as it hurts me, help me, help me to own, help me to admit before you my limitations. Lord, help me to embrace the humility that you call all of us to in following Jesus and see the strength and the power in that, the transforming power of that humility. And Lord, also help us May we be the kind of people, Lord, that see your limitless power at work every day around us, not just in the big moments, but in each and every little single one, in each and every little conversation with people around us, in each and every opportunity to share God's love with our voice, with our hands, with our feet in the coming year. And so again, folks, may we be the kind of people who ask not or who think not, here's what I'm going to do and here's where I'm going to go, but instead answer that question of who will I follow? And that, that is the answer to how we can even begin to understand our ways. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the grace that you invite us into today. We give you thanks for the year that you have closed out behind us and how you have been present in every moment in very real ways when we've been able to see it and even when we have not. We give you thanks for the miracle of Christmas. Lord, the work that is ongoing that you started, help us to continue to live in that. And Lord, as we plan, as we think about what the year ahead of us might be, Lord, help us to lay ourselves before you and ask you what you think it should be. Help us to ask you, how can we step in time and in rhythm with you, our Lord and Savior? Lord, help us today, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.